Hi everybody, this is Gad Saad. Since so many people are discussing Joe Rogan these days and how dangerous he is and how he needs to be canceled, I thought that I would do a whole sad truth clip on how influential Joe Rogan is uh, in, a, in the positive sense of the word. And I will read first two sections from The Parasitic Mind, uh, one of which directly quotes uh, some Joe Rogan uh, context and the other one doesn't, but then I'll link it to Joe Rogan. So here we go. This is first from page 10 and uh, 11. So I considered, I consider it part of my job description to engage with the public. During a recent visit to give a lecture at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, I had a telling conversation with a Stanford colleague who epitomizes the ivory tower bias. He was aware that I had appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast, an extraordinarily popular platform, but was clearly disdainful of such public engagement. He seemed to think that one could either be could either publish in leading scientific journals or appear on Rogan's show. I disabused him of this false either-or proposition by pointing out that a complete academic should strive to do both. Many professors forget that their professional responsibility is not only to generate new knowledge, but also to seek to maximally disseminate it. Social media offers endless such opportunities by allowing ideas to spread quickly and to a very large number of people. No rational intellectual should oppose such a possibility, and yet many succumb to what I refer to as the garage band effect. If you are a struggling band that plays in your parents' garage only to be heard by them and a few annoyed neighbors, you are legit. If your band becomes a smashing success, success with a number one hit on Billboard and now plays in front of large stadium crowns, you're a sellout. This is precisely the mindset of many academics. They prefer to publish only in peer-reviewed journals, play in the garage, and look with derision at appearing on Joe Rogan, number one billboard hits and filled out stadiums. I reject this intellectual elitism for reasons similar to why Donald Trump leapfrogs the mainstream media and engages the electorate directly via social media. Take the message directly to the people. We have the tools to do so. So to put in context, for those of you who don't know, uh, Joe and I have been friends for many years now. I think my first appearance was now maybe seven, eight years ago. And I probably was one of the first professors. Uh, I'm not sure if I was the first one to appear on his show. And since uh, for a long time, I think I might have been the professor who's appeared the most. I think that maybe now jo uh, Jordan Peterson might have surpassed me. I'm at seven. I'm sure that Jordan is around there too. So in both of our cases, we have we are interested in spreading the message to the masses. And therefore, we certainly don't look at the opportunity to go on Joe's platform and speak as something to look at with derision and disdain. To the contrary, we are thankful that we can use his wonderful platform to spread ideas. Now, if you think, for example, of the game of life, the game of life is made up of two parts. There is the natural selection part and the sexual selection part that you first have to make sure that you survive. But if you survive, but then are unable to reproduce, then your genes die, right? So you, you both have to survive and then be attractive enough in the mating market to be able to 
find a suitable mate and reproduce and hence propagate your genes. Well, uh, if we use that model, but analogize to, uh, to memes, right? I mean, when you read my books, it's my memes that are entering your brains. The libraries are collections of memes. Well, you first have to create the meme, but then you have to spread the meme, right? Because otherwise you can write all of the peer reviewed papers that you want. But if you know that the modal number of citations for the typical paper is, you know, for many of them, it's zero citations. What does that mean? That means that a great majority of papers that are ever published in academia don't even get cited once. But even people who are highly cited, the numbers of their citations pale in comparison to going on Joe Rogan. Now, I don't mean to imply that they're, they're equal metrics because you know, you're comparing apples and oranges. It takes years for your work to be cited sometimes, right? Because it has to, you know, someone else has to go through the peer review process for them to eventually be published. So there's a lag period and it takes years for a, a, an academic paper or a book to garner a large number of citations. But nonetheless, notwithstanding the fact that we're comparing apples and oranges, uh, the, the game of idea propagation is one that should be pursued using all feasible and possible platforms, right? So in the same way that a venture capitalist doesn't say, I'll, I'll only be interested in making money if you operate in the processed foods business, and that's it. There's no other conceivable valid way for me to make money. Well, that would be silly because if he or she is in the business of creating, uh, you know, funding good ventures, well, it does not make sense to necessarily restrict yourself to one industry or one product category or one domain. By the same token, if you are an academic, you are tasked with two fundamental uh, responsibilities. You have to generate knowledge. And, and of course, I do that through my academic work. I, I publish scientific papers and journals, but then I have to spread those ideas, right? And I can spread them of course, through the mechanisms of academic journals. But what about going on the media? What about giving public lectures? What about going on Joe Rogan? And to the extent that now many academics who historically viewed going on, you know, a lowly podcast, now they view it very differently because now I get tons of calls from people who say, oh, please, please, can you connect can i come on your show god can you connect me with joe rogan suddenly the same people who thought that it was beneath them to go on joe rogan or didn't understand why i ever created my own show are now very keen on getting in on the game because they are laggards they are followers they're not leaders right so that's that's point one joe rogan offers people like me the opportunity to speak to millions of people there is no place that I can walk where I won't be stopped by someone because they saw me talk about some psychology of decision-making phenomena or some evolutionary psychology phenomenon on the Joe Rogan show. I, I don't say that because I'm pursuing fame because, again, that the fame is a consequence of my main goal, which is to create knowledge and disseminate it. And so the power of Joe Rogan is immense. I mean, it's unbelievable, okay? So anyone who doesn't see that, you know, is either a 
grotesque elitist or is truly dumb or both because again the game of of knowledge is made up of creating the knowledge and spreading it and there is no you know platform that rivals that of joe rogan so that's number one number two i want to read to you from page uh 143 and 144 uh, of the parasitic mind another passage uh, back in 2008, I was invited to deliver two lectures about my work at the intersection of evolutionary psychology and consumer behavior in front of the top-ranked psychology and marketing departments at the University of Michigan. I confirmed with one of my hosts that there would be no overlap between the two audiences, so I prepared to deliver the same lecture to the two groups. The first lecture took place in the psychology department, where my ideas were very well received. The second lecture on the following day was undoubtedly the most hostile academic crowd that I've ever faced. I was unable to finish a line of thinking without being badgered, interrupted, and harassed by numerous faculty members. Oops, the thing died. Hold on a second, guys. Sorry. The, the, the computer went to sleep. Okay. The deluge of ignorant hostility began prior to my delivering the lecture and the one-on-one -on -one meetings with faculty that preceded my talk. One marketing professor explained to me in his office that evolution was unfalsifiable, so it wasn't real science, to which I dismissively replied, quote, so how long have you been at the University of Michigan, close quote. In other words, I quickly gauged the futility of engaging the individual in question and sidestepped his buffoonish comment. There was a general pattern to the hostility. Many of the doctoral students or junior faculty were open to my ideas, while older established professors seemed much more resistance, resistant. This makes perfect sense in that the latter are entrenched in paradigms that define their professional work. They wrongly construed my evolutionary research as a threat to their scholarship and accordingly huffed and puffed in indignation. The doctoral students, on the other hand, did not have any paradigmatic vested interests and as such were receptive to novel approaches. I have noted sim a similar pattern of resistance to my scientific work when comparing marketing practitioners to marketing academics. Practitioners only care that my scientific work is applicable and relevant, whereas academics judge my contributions by how well these fit into their established paradigms. Now, why did I read you this story? Because... You would think that academics are purveyors of truth. They're unbiased. They only pursue where the evidence takes them. But as I read in that uh, passage, that's completely untrue. Academics are vested in their paradig paradigmatic positions. And if someone comes along who challenges that position, then they will do all of the stuff that the blue-haired Taliban will do in Wokeville. Uh, I mean, that's how over the past 25, 30 years, I got to writing The Parasitic Mind because I saw how these idea pathogens were developing. It was the professors who, was, who were creating the idea pathogens and promulgating them, right? It, it all started within the university ecosystem. Now, how do we link this to Joe Rogan? Well, Joe Rogan scores off the charts in openness, open-mindedness, right? Uh, he comes along and he says, hey, you can use my forum. Let's talk about stuff, right? He's humble. He he will tell you if he if he thinks he knows something or doesn't. Sometimes he can be dogmatic. Uh, sometimes he could be fat shaming as he did 
in my case once where he spent you know 45 minutes telling me how fat I was on his show I'm not so fat anymore Joe I might be a lot thinner than you are but in any case Joe exhibits all of the qualities that you would want in your ideal doctoral student he's intellectually inquisitive he's curious he's open-minded he wants to talk about things sometimes he knows a lot about a topic sometimes he doesn't uh, but he says hey let's talk so what could be more uh, invigorating and empowering to the free flow exchange of ideas than to support someone like joe so rather than going to the university of michigan which is incredibly prestigious one of the top psychology departments in the world perhaps the top my, my doctoral supervisor uh, obtained his PhD in psychology at University of Michigan. Uh, many of the top psychologists are all from the University of Michigan. Daniel Kahneman, Amos Tversky. Uh, Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize uh, in economics for his psychological work. Uh, these are all guys that were at the University of Michigan around the time of my supervisor. So, you know, the business school and the and the psychology department at University of Michigan are incredibly prestigious, but yet, as I showed you, there were differing reactions to my work, depending on whether the people were ideologically committed to fighting my ideas or not. Joe doesn't do that. So he doesn't have to have many degrees after his name or before his name to be a lot more, in a sense, intellectual than many of the professional intellectuals. So this is why Joe Rogan is so important. And this is why most of the academics have historically hated him and why the intelligentsia and the mainstream media hate him today for the exact same reason as they hate Donald Trump because he's an aesthetic injury to them, right? Joe Rogan is a bro, right? He is a you know an MMA guy. He's muscular, right? He doesn't have the right degrees from the right Ivy League schools. So we can't have this guy be more important than us. I mean, after all, I am uh, Castrato Brian Stelter, the eunuch who, uh, the invertebrate who, you know, got the degrees. I don't know where he got his degrees. Let's presume that it's from the Ivy League. Uh, how could Joe Rogan have more influence than me? Joe Rogan is a dropout. How could he be more important than me? How could he have... 10 times the bigger audience than CNN. We're important. We're journalists. And so it really comes from one of the fundamental seven deadly sins. Remember that one? The one that starts with E, envy, don't covet. One of the 10 commandments. That's what, hap that's what happens with people who hate Joe Rogan. It's unbearable to them. It's existentially unbearable that a bro can wield the kind of power that he does. But when you're humble... Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that I loved uh, one time when I went on Joe's show, we opened up the conversation and he said, you know, you're I mean, I'm paraphrasing, you know, you're so cool. You don't take yourself seriously. You joke. I mean, you're you're this you know fancy professor. And yet, you know, you got the whole Godfather shtick and the rest of it. Yeah, it's because I am a professor of the people. I don't think that I'm better than someone else because I have more titles after my name. And I think that's why. I resonate, if I may speak of myself, with a large swath of people. And, and certainly that's why Joe resonates, you know, 50 times more than any of the mainstream media. So to the people who hate Joe Rogan, you, you really are getting this whole thing wrong. Ultimately, he is a wonderful conduit for really important and impactful conversations. Sometimes you don't agree with him. So what? Turn off the channel. 
but to vilify him as you know a promulgator of death because you know he's spreading misinformation and disinformation it's complete nonsense so joe i love you buddy and uh, hopefully i will be coming to uh, austin in may it's not finalized yet and if i do i look forward to hopefully having our eighth chat on your show cheers everybody